Welcome to your personal branding podcast with Bernard Kelvin Clive, your number one career and business podcast in Ghana, bringing you expert interviews and insights into personal branding, personal development, and publishing. Now, here's your host, Bernard Kelvin Clive. Hi, welcome to another edition of your personal branding podcast. This is Bernard Kelvin Clive, and today's uh, episode I have a special guest, uh, Susan Meyer, all the way from US, and uh, a brand strategist and consultants working over twenty years helping corporates and individual brands. And Susan, welcome to the personal branding podcast show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I treasure. <laughs> Susan, branding and personal branding has almost become a buzzword currently now. Everybody's throwing the word around brand, personal brand. So according to Susan, with over 20 years of experience in brand, what is branding? Well, it's an interesting question, and you're right. It it has evolved over time, right? Because the Mm. way of getting your message out used to be, you know, there were a few channels to reach, you know, an audience or a general population. And now there's a million channels. So anyone can build a brand um, and reach out to any audience. Um, so, so, but the, the brand itself is really that relationship that you're creating. Um, and, and I think often, and it's a good question that you ask because often people think, oh, my brand is my logo or my brand is my tagline. <laughs> Right. And those things are an important part of how you express your brand. Um, but when you're thinking about what your logo or your tagline should be or what your website should look like, um, you, you really should take a step back before thinking about those things and think about your brand as what is that relationship that I'm trying to create um, with um, my customers or whatever kind of audience I'm, I'm speaking to. Um, and, you know, what is that based on? Who are they and what do they care about? Um, who am I and what am I good at? Right. So how is it going to be different from anyone else's message in the world? Um, and then that gives you this kind of unique, differentiated, relevant, um, genuine positioning. Um, and that is the brand, right? What is the promise I can make to these people I'm trying to communicate with? Um, and, you know, what relationship can I build based on that promise? And then everything else is an expression of that, right? What colors do I choose for my website? You know, that's all an expression of, um, you know, what that kind of core positioning is. Right. So I also tell people that, and uh, Brandon, uh, it's, it's not just about logos, colors and all the fine things or the nice things we see. It's, it's more than what, what, uh, what we think it is. And you rightly said, Brandon has evolved over the years and, um, we need all those things are important, but need to be uh, put together collectively. Like key things of a relationship. You mentioned about differentiation. You mentioned about trust and all that. So it's very important. One of the things that you had mentioned that I, I want us to look at a conversation around today is about positioning. Uh, in a global competitive world like this, how do individual brands and corporate brands or SMEs position themselves properly to be noticed and also offer more value uh, for, for for whatever they, they, they desire to do? Yeah. So, you know, I think it's such a big potential market now because it is so easy to communicate with people 
anywhere at any time, um, that it's almost gone the other direction that the kind of best practice is to find your smallest viable audience, right? Mm-hmm. Like the future is niche and you're keep people, hearing people say that. So, so finding, you know, you don't have to be everything to everyone. In fact, if you try to be everything to everyone, you will almost certainly fail. Um, so figuring out, you know, the, the very, um, smallest audience that you can really serve well, you know, the people for whom you and your product or service is most relevant, um, that really need you. Um, and, and then also, you know, that's the to everyone part, not to everyone part. And then the not being everything part is you don't have to offer every single thing under the sun, mm-hmm. right? So if you, you start by thinking about who, who that customer base is and, you know, what they need and what occasions, you know, they're going to be coming to you uh, with. And then you can think about, you know, what is it that I really do best, um, you know, and, and what is it that I'm going to really have an advantage in? And, you know, for a product that might be an advantage in sourcing or something, you know, very practical and operational um, for something else, the product or service that might have more to do with your own experience um, or your credentials or simply what you're interested in. Um, and, and so finding that kind of really small, really specific value proposition, I think, is where the future is in this, you know, very um, broad global marketplace. So the first thing that one needs to begin with, uh, you mentioned, uh, the future is a niche. Uh, so you need to niche down, uh, right? What are the small area or the little areas, the needs which are not met that you need to find, you identify that you can meet those needs or fill those gaps? That's the first thing you need to find out. One need to do in, in position yourself in this large, huge market is one yeah. you need to find your niche. What's the next step or next process? Once I identified, okay, I am, um, I'm a, I'm a farmer. I farm maybe apples or do something or I'm a bank. I help people save money. So maybe I found a little niche that can really help maybe nursing mothers to be able to save and reinvest or something. Once the person has identified the niche and the value they can offer, what is the next thing to do in the area of positioning your brand in the global storefront? Well, I think the next thing is to really, really listen to your customers. Once you've identified, you know, okay, I want to serve apple farmers or whoever your your target audience is, go talk to them, right? I mean, that's a step that I think we forget because almost because it's so obvious. Um, and it's actually not, it sometimes feels a little difficult, like, oh, I'm going to have to go out and interview people or how will I find people to talk to me? Well, Turns out people love to talk about themselves, so it's actually not that hard, you know. It's not that hard to find people to agree to talk to you. And, in fact, they're, you know, kind of thrilled to be asked, like, what is it that you need? What is it that you worry about? What keeps you up at night? How can I help you? You know, people are really – I did a project um, recently for a health insurance company, which here in the U.S. are not – not typically the most beloved of, uh, of industries. And I was going out to interview some of their, um, you know, in this case, the audience they were interested in was, um, doctors and medical office managers, the people who were submitting claims, um, to, to them, asking them for money and who, uh, had had some difficulties in that process. So it was a, you know, you were going into those interviews thinking, Oh, I'm going to get some angry people who don't want to talk to me. Right. Or who like, they're going to yell at me. Right. 
And in fact, they were so thrilled <laughs> to be like, wow, this is a change. You know, the insurance company wants to hear from me. Well, I have a few things to say. Yeah, that's amazing. You are really interested in how you can serve me better and make my life easier. And it was really interesting. They were, um, you know, they were quite open to, you know, hey, we know we haven't been perfect. We know we'll probably mm-hmm. screw up again in the future, but can you just help us like, what are like the top three things that we could help you with? So I think that, you know, going to talk to your customers um, or your potential customers, you'd be surprised to find how willing and happy they are to talk to you. And you'll be surprised to find what you will learn um, because I have been doing this for, as I think you mentioned before, like 20 years. And I've never gone and spoken to customers, uh, whether it's, you know, moms buying cereal or like I said, doctors who are dealing with health insurance. I've never interviewed people without coming away with a little surprise. You know, the things that you think they care about are sometimes not the same things that they actually care about. I worked for a, um, a, a sparkling beverage, like a soda, um, healthy soda company. And they were located in this small town in Colorado, which is pretty cool. It's called Boulder. And they, um, they thought that being located in Boulder was a really big part of their brand because they all lived in Boulder and the people they knew more or less all lived in Boulder. And they were pretty excited about, you know, they had created this really nationally recognized brand from their small town. And then when we interviewed people around the country, almost none of them knew that the brand was from Boulder Mm. and it just wasn't part of their brand positioning, right? Or their brand awareness. And so this was a really big learning for them Mm. because they thought, you know, they, they thought that this was something they should be talking about or like writing about or, you know, designing to fit. And in fact, it just wasn't, um, you know, the, the experience of, of the beverage and the packaging they created, those things were much, much more important to, um, to their customers. So, uh, so it can be a really great learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, once uh, someone had made a statement that uh, branding uh, is not what you say you are, it's what people are saying about you. So like the example you gave, uh, this, you know, they thought they were supposed to do X, Y, Z or they were supposed to be known, but on the ground is not, is not so. So people are perceiving them differently from what they think their brand position or, or their brand value should be. So I think right. very important learning stage for brands or startup that sometimes we assume that we've done all that we think our strategies are working or should be so, but uh, the people that we need to meet their needs are not being receiving the kind of message you want to carry across to them. So uh, the the second phase or stage is that we need to listen to our potential clients or customers or we need to listen to them and get their pinpoint, their specific needs so that we can then know how to provide for them. Are we right on that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, when we ask them, then that okay, if I'm starting out or I've been rather in a, a, a relatively good positioning, uh, how will I know my clients? You know, I'm starting out a, a, a brand, a registered brand. How will I know my ideal clients, who my clients are, so I can listen to them, I can get their feedback, and I know how to progress? So, what do we need to do in this state? Mm, so, who, how do you even identify what that niche is? Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's a little reverse engineering, right? Um, so part of it is you can look, if you're saying if you're just brand new starting out, mm-hmm. um, I mean, hopefully that's been part of your process in starting the company is thinking about, you know, who is this for, right? So maybe you come up with an idea, you have a new invention or an innovation or just something that you're interested in doing. But before you, <clears throat> before it becomes a company, um, uh, you know, the likelihood is you've thought about who is going to use this brand new thing. Um, and again, I would say that's a good stage to go out and talk to people and say, is this something that you um, would need? Um, because the reality is you're going to start with a hypothesis, right? You don't know for sure um, who your audience is. You're, you're going to guess who your audience is and you are, um, creating something with this hypothetical audience in mind. So it's a little bit of a chicken or the egg. Um, so you say, you know, I think this group of people might need this new thing. And then, you know, you think about creating that thing, you start creating it and then go out and talk to them and ask them, you know, would you like it to be, you know, orange or blue or should it have three prongs or four or, you know, that, so you're kind of bringing them in on the innovation process so that you're creating an audience, not just kind of running out to find an audience once you have this thing. You know, this is something I see a lot in um, fields where uh, there's a like real science and a technological breakthrough, like either in, high tech. Um, I see it a lot in, you know, biotech, pharma, um, where, you know, there's scientists who are researching something, they discover a molecule or they have this brand new technology and then they go searching for a market for what they can possibly do with it. And it's actually a little harder than, you know, when I work with like a soft drink company or a cereal company and, they are looking for, you know, they're, they're targeting a market and then developing like, oh, a new flavor profile or a new, you know, format for crunchier cereal or whatever it is. Uh, it's actually a little easier to do it that way. Now you're not going to have as much exciting breakthrough technology doing it that way. Um, but once you have this, you know, amazing new molecule and then you're running around finding like what to do with it, and who's going to care about it, um, it's actually a little harder um, and takes a little longer. First, to always uh, have that as part of your strategies in when, when starting out. The, mm-hmm. other, the, other, the other thing or challenges, maybe along the line, you want to develop a new product, a new service. So are we going to look at remarketing it to existing clients or, or based on their previous needs, we make tailor-made there? the product or service to, for them, what should one do then? Yeah. So I think, well, you just described like the two key innovation pathways, I think. So you can either, you know, continue to do what you're doing and find a new market for it, right. Find a new audience. Um, or you can say, Oh, I, um, I'm really good at serving this particular audience. You know, I really understand moms of small children or what have you. What else might they need that I could, I could provide? Um, so those are sort of the two different ways to think about, um, what to do next. Now, let me throw in this then. Let's help a, uh, um, virtual, uh, uh, person now listening. 
this is um, a career coach. Pandemic and the COVID-19 uh, has prevented him from doing his tours. Okay. So he wants to now position himself uh, globally online on ways to attract the right client. How does he begin? What, where should he start from? Because all along he's been doing this offline, in-person activities and all that. Now he thinks, don't know him that he needs to really position himself on the digital, uh, virtual. What is your advice for such a person? What, what are the actions that he needs to take now as he's listening to us? Mm, I like a little case study. Um, and he's been doing that in person. Right. And he's now trying to build a digit, an online business. Right. I see. Okay. Well, so he has a clear skill set and he has a clear target market. Um, so those are two really good things to start with. Um, and it sounds like, you know, he just needs to build a new channel, right? A new channel for reaching that audience. So the first thing you're going to do is build awareness. So people need to know about you. They need to know how to reach you. Um, and they need to know why to choose you, right? Because there's probably other people who do what he does. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's people need to know whether he's going to be a good fit for them and vice versa. Um, so that is going to probably look like um, having an online presence, um, figuring out where where are those students? Is it, you know, are they going to find him on a website or is it more likely to be on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook or, you know, what's the medium that that they are on so doing a little research on that and then figuring once you figure out your platform um you know that that that's when your positioning comes in so what makes him different from any of the other options that they may have to choose from because that's the challenging thing when you're then in an online environment if you're there in person you often have a captive audience right so you have your relationship with whoever, maybe it's a school administrator, whoever decides to like bring you into that environment is your gatekeeper, is your relationship. Now suddenly you have a relationship directly with the students. Um, and so that's a very different um, audience. It's a different communication strategy and a different message. So you need to tell them directly, um, you know, who you are, um, you know, what you do differently, maybe from what, what other people, um, who are doing this career coaching do, um, what benefit they're going to get out of working with you, you know, so do you have some proven results? Do you have some statistics of what you've done for others in the past? Um, or do you have like a dis, and or do you have like a distinctive personality? You know, maybe you're, have a great sense of humor and you make this difficult process really fun for them. Um, or maybe you're, you know, a great researcher and, you know, you, uh, you're just the type of person who's going to come up like unearth new ideas and opportunities that other people don't think of. So what is your kind of, secret sauce <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's going to be a little bit different that they can get their minds around and they can say oh this is the right person for me to work with and then you know when you nail down that very specific statement or positioning um then it's just a matter of rolling it out across whatever those platforms are and maybe you come up with you know three key messages that you um are going and you're going to do it on I don't know on Twitter um so you know what is your what is your Twitter feed going to be about oh it's going to 
always be about these, you know, two or three things. Um, and you're finding other articles and you're writing new materials and, um, you know, that's how you're going to reach people. Um, so again, keeping it niche, keeping it, you know, tight and focused, um, and, and also very honest and genuine to who you are. And that's also very fundamental, honest and genuine. So you need to find out where you can find your ideal clients, whether uh, the platform, whether it's LinkedIn, uh, TikTok, or Instagram, then mm. you also need to find also create a, a specific, I um, mean, message. Why they need you? Why they need to hire you? And then why you're different from uh, other existing, I mean, coaches in the same field and what the value you have to offer them. So once you know all this, then you can package them the platform, either a website or to the social media pl- platforms. You want to send a message out there. Then you begin to use those channels. Be great. So, uh, at, at what point, and, and this is a question on the minds of people, at what point do you rebrand or re-strategize, reposition? You realize that you, you pick one position, maybe, let's, let's pick the, the, the life, uh, uh, cycle of a typical musician. The average musician has a, has a cycle period within five to ten years of your frame of rising mm-hmm. for. And beyond that, if you don't use any other means, you may not be able to sustain the brand. So how do they reposition? Because in, in, in an era like maybe in this social media, TikTok, uh, clubhouse era, somebody may mm-hmm. rise to fame. After this period, if the, the, the platform or the period that the, it is down, it might be quite difficult for the person to re, I mean, ride on the same position. So what do you do? At what point do you, I mean, pivot, do you reposition, rebrand to ensure that you still remain valuable, you stay relevant in the eyes of client customers? Yeah. So, I mean, really, truly pivoting is one thing. And sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes you're, you know, like you said, especially in a fickle industry, music or many others, um, you know, there's this kind of uh, celebrity hit kind of mentality and the audience comes and then they move on to the next thing. So, mm-hmm. so that's one form of rebranding. Um, and I think you, I think you just feel that, right? Like, you know, it's time to do that because you see that cycle kind of, there's that waxing and waning, right? And you, so you're enjoying the riding high when your, uh, celebrity and popularity is waxing and then you start to see it waning and that's the time to start thinking about what's my next move. Um, but I think there's also a, you know, maybe more common, um, maybe not rebrand, but refresh, um, which is more around like innovation, right? So you don't want to stay stagnant. Um, even if you have like a great, you know, just hit product and everybody loves what you're doing. Um, eventually you're going to, you know, there's that sort of, well, what's next? Partly from you, right? Because, you know, it's boring to do the same thing over and over again, but also from the audience, like, well, that's great. You make, um, bed frames, but is that really all you're going to do? Or, you know, what are you going to do next? Um, and so that's where, like we were talking about before is that, you know, you make, I don't know. You make bed frames that are high quality and affordable for recent college graduates. I don't know. Um, it, now are you going to say, what else can we make for recent college graduates? Like, are we going to make uh, great desks or great dining tables? Or are we going to really own the bedroom space 
and we're going to come out with um, new products at different price points um, or made from different materials. Maybe there's a custom version. Maybe there's something for older folks. Maybe there is something for teenagers. I don't know. But so thinking about what your next um, move is and then thinking about how does that, you know, coming back to the brand, because that's really a product innovation story, you know, how do I evolve my brand? So if my brand was always about that one target I was serving um, and I want to move into a different target, I'm going to need to refresh um, my brand to sort of broaden the tent to include that new audience. Um, and if I'm going to keep serving that same audience, but I'm going to add new products and services, well, then my branding can't be all about, you know, the bed frame anymore. It's going to be about, you know, this kind of quality, affordable furniture, um, you know, of, of all different kinds. Um, so I think it's, you know, I think in terms of knowing when to do it, I think you know when to do it. The question is um, kind of how. <laughs> I think some things, um, what, uh, brands fail to do is that, uh, they enjoy the state of being, being celebrated, being known, and they forget to do the key thing that you mentioned, which is to listen to the audience, listen for feedbacks, listen, put their ears again, listen, and also stay updated. Because sometimes when you are drowning in your own glory and praise, uh, <laughs> you, you, you don't even want to listen to what is happening. And this, the sudden thing happens and there's a need, there's a switch, there's a change, and you are caught up in your own, uh, I mean, uh, mess. So, uh, it's a key re- thing that we brands do. Consistently listen, listen, put your ears to the ground, listen for feedback, listen to you and stay updated to what is me happening, what will be happening, what, and so that they can quickly, I mean, transition or reposition or add new, add on to what they have. You know, you know the story we most of us use, uh, the story about Nokia, what happened to them, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and it's, it's typically, typical of most brands now, uh, uh, currently, uh, suddenly, suddenly there's a pandemic. A whole paradigm has been shifted. Things have changed and, and still other brands are failing to, you know, reposition and rethinking things may, may, may revert back to normal, but it may never happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, and I think the other part or the other listening exercise that's important is also listening within your organization because mm-hmm. when you're a one person startup, this is very different, right? You don't, you know, you create the culture, right? You set the strategic direction. And then if you grow, okay, now you've got, you know, four people who maybe are your buddies, maybe think and look and act more or less like you. But then when you get to the next stage and you have 20 people and you have 50 people, well, this is now a different proposition, right? And so you uh, I often work with companies at that stage and help them kind of listen to each other. And, you know, are we actually all aligned on what our brand positioning is and what our mission is and what our vision for, you know, the future, for our strategy, for our innovation is going to be? And a lot of times companies go off the rails in that stage of growth um, because, the, you know, the leadership, the founder and the other couple of top leaders are just kind of assuming that they're, you know, that's continuing to be their vision. Mm-hmm. And yet the company is running, is being run by these other 50 people 
who may not even be aware of what the brand is really about or yeah. what the fundamentals are really about. Um, so, you know, listening within the organization as well and, and, um, getting alignment, um, on, on what that positioning and therefore strategy is going to be can be very, very valuable. Yeah, thank you. That reminds me of a recent uh, training I did for an organization. Uh, I realized that for interaction, most of the number of the staff even didn't know what the company stands for. Uh, or they just show mm-hmm. up to work and do what they are, they are asked to do. They don't know what they are, yeah. they have, their vision, they are, they, what they are even driving at. They just, they show up, they do what they are asked to do. They get a salary at the end of the month or the week. That's it. So I think constantly our organization needs to realign back to their values, their purpose, their mission and know what it is. So in that way, it also will trigger more growth, uh, development and impacts. Yes, exactly. Susan, so as we round up, I wanted to share with us your maybe one, two, three critical uh, th- uh, things or strategies that brands need to know, I mean, to help their brands grow or position properly. Your three take-home stuff. Mm. Well, I guess I'm going to kind of summarize some of the points we hit, right? So I think be true to yourself um, first and foremost. Um, so really knowing what you stand for and very specifically that niche of what you do. Um, uh, you know, I think listen to your customers is the second, right? Understanding this is a lot of what we've been talking about. Um, understanding who they are, not just how they use your product, but really who they are and what their lives are about. Because by the way, the more you understand about them, the easier that innovation and growth piece is going to be because They'll go, oh, wait a second, this population that I'm serving, they also have this other need over there that I can help out with. So, and then, um, you know, and then I think the third one is really build a relationship. I think, you know, when we say the future is niche, the only way that really works is if you are building relationships with that, you know, so-called minimum viable audience. Um, because it's, it's not enough just to have a small audience, right? That's not the yeah, point. Yeah, the yeah, point is to really have deep relationships, um, with those folks. And I think that's really, you know, what the future is, is that, you know, coming back to remembering that the brand is really nothing more than the relationship and that all of these channels, you know, the clubhouse and Facebook and, you know, all these platforms, uh, are really just mediums for building relationships and connecting to people you might not be able to connect to otherwise, which is very exciting. Um, and then, that, and that's what the opportunity is for when you're building a business and building a brand. Awesome. If you forget anything, do remember that it, one of the most important things to do in building your brand is to build relationships. Deep relationship. It's not just about having a small things, but deeper relationship with your audience that you understand them, meet their needs, and you keep the conversation growing and thriving. Thank you so much for this, uh, uh, inside shared. And uh, Susan, how can listeners begin to start a journey of relationship with you to help you help their brands and the business? Where can you be located? How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so on my website, which is Susan Meyer Studio, and I trust you'll put it in the show notes, but the spelling is M-E-I-E-R. Um, I have a download um, 
And you can also book uh, coaching hours with me um, that's built specifically for entrepreneurs and small business owners that take them through the steps of my process, um, which we've talked about um, basically all the bits of it today. Um, but some people like to kind of work through it on their own, um, and that's a budget-friendly option. Um, and then others come to me, and I work with them for a few hours and help them really develop their their vision for their brand um, so that they can refresh their website or, you know, re, like you said, rebrand, like reposition their brand. Um, and uh, all of that can be found on my website. What would you want the world to know about Brandon? One word, mm. one sentence, one phrase. <laughs> Um, I was going to say, well, when you told me one word, I was going to say love. It's love. really all about love, right? Like love. you are building this relationship that is no different from, you know, a friendship or even a love relationship with your customers. And so the more you can think about it as what would you do with a loved one, right? You want to mm-hmm. behave in a way that's honest and genuine you want to create trust um you you know you want to act in a way that's always um uh, honest and um you think about their needs and you know try to delight them the lovely that is said the lovely deep-seated word love Thank you, Susan and uh, listeners. I believe you got real value from this. Don't forget to stay connected with Susan and let us know how this episode has helped you and your business. And and we'll be happy to assist you any way we can. Hi, so if you enjoyed this podcast, head on to Amazon.com slash author slash Bernard Kelvin and get all my books on building a successful personal brand. Personal brand, corporate branding, just go to Amazon.com slash author slash Bernard Kelvin or at best just go to Amazon.com and search for Bernard Kelvin Climb. All my books will be available to you. Just purchase copies and buy some for your friends. The best is yours.